0: Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. Welcome to Pod Talk, short conversations with indie podcasters that are not just about podcasting, because I like to take the scenic route. My guest today is Dr. Howard Gluss. Welcome, Howard. How are you this afternoon?
1: I'm doing great, Greg. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Oh, I appreciate it myself. This is like off the charts. The part before we press record was really good. (laughs) I think the place that we should start, as we said, is to talk about the balance. So I'm going to call you uh, an actual practitioner. So you directly see patients and work with them.
1: Right. I'm a clinical psychologist. Right.
0: And you're also a podcaster. Yes,
1: (laughs) exactly. (laughs) I have two lives going on, entertainment Mm -hmm. and... And psychology. (laughs)
0: So, your podcast um, talks to experts on on various topics, and and we, you know, I'll let you dive in there about what your show's about. But the question that came to mind was how do you, I'm going to say, how do you rationalize? You have to balance your time between these two things. You can either directly see people and directly help them, you know, one on one, basically, um, or you can work on the podcast, which probably has a bigger ripple effect, but you're not trying to directly help a person. So I'm just, what are your thoughts on how you balance your time between those two lives?
1: Well, I, I don't think of them as mutually exclusive. I think of them as interconnected. So for instance, when, when I'm seeing patients, my focus... And you don't have to lean time. into
0: that so close. You can just relax. Well, oh, okay. When I see yeah. patients... <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: when I see patients, you know, a lot of times my... Sense is i'm there to really be present for them mm. and it's not about me and it's not about my self-expression it's about being of service to the patient and trying to help them as much as possible when i'm on podcasts, i feel oh here's my opportunity to actually express myself and make it about me make it about howard so i try to balance too and we know it's impossible to ever have a perfect balance <laughs> But it seems like one feeds the other. So if I'm happy podcasting and it gives me a sense of creativity and Mm self-expression, I'm going to feel more present in my sessions with clients or patients. So that's how I I try to balance the two. The focus is different.
0: Hmm. That's brilliant. Um, Do you ever find yourself? I didn't
1: say it too close to the mic.
0: (laughs) I really hate to interject and be like, back up, but you were great. And then you're like, you got excited, you know, like blowing my doors off. Um, I'm wondering. Well, what um, it
1: reminded me very quickly is, so for a few years, I did a show on KBC radio and on the radio, I had to keep my.
0: Oh yeah. It's an SM7. You eight, have to be like right on right right top of up right against the grill.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get to get you the condenser mic.
0: Um, <laughs> so. Fortunately, listeners are podcasters. So they love that stuff too. We should, we could talk about that for 20 minutes. Um. Right. um so we didn't mention that in your clinical practice that you work with people or, uh, grammar, Craig, you, you work with addiction, that's your specialization, your specialty, helping people with addiction. So tell me a little bit about maybe the kinds of like, well, I'm going to say maybe the sorts of breakthroughs that you see people making. So like your definition of success is when somebody is able to overcome an addiction or understand their addiction, I'm, I'm throwing questions in your
1: mouth. Um, Yeah, I think that, you know, well, first of all, being sober is usually the success of overcoming an addiction. So that's very important to be able to do because you can't be in two worlds at the same time. You can't be actively in an addiction, whether it's a behavioral addiction like gambling or sex, and um, not be in an addiction, if that makes sense, or if it's drugs or alcohol. So on some level, you have to decide what world you want to be in because you can't do both. And I always say to clients or patients, you don't see a lot of people when they win these big awards saying, I want to thank my drug dealer for getting me <laughs> to this place. Um, <laughs> and if you get to live long enough, you can't just keep abusing yourself that much. Right. So to me, success, you know, addiction is very compulsive and that's why it's called an addiction. And, If you're out of addiction, if you're out of disease, when I try to treat people, I like to look at two aspects of them. I like to look at them as a person, and then I like to look at their addiction. The addiction to me is the disease part, and the person is the person I'm trying to get a handle on Mm because that person gets lost in the addiction. Mm -hmm. So once you can normalize someone, in other words, if they've had a detox or they've been sober for a while, If you can get that same person to start just working on their stuff, start discovering aspects of themselves that are separate from the addiction, things they feel passionate about in their life, chances are that eventually, this is the hope, I'm crossing my fingers, this is the hope, that eventually (laughs) they're going to create a life that they actually like. doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but they're going to like it, and they may not want to destroy it with addiction. So as a cliche, I would say, If you're living a life that you really like and you feel passionate about it and you can handle all the stresses of it and have the support system around you that you need to keep it going, whether it's a good therapist, friends, whatever it is, AA group, I think then you've created a lot of distance from your addiction. And that's always going to be part of who you are, that addictive personality, but you can... It's like turning the powers of evil to good. You can use mm. that obsession and channel it in something very positive for yourself.
0: When we were talking before I started recording, I asked you just because I like the sometimes I just grab two random things and smash them together. And I sure. grabbed podcasting, like as as a cre- as a creator of podcasts. Um, podcasting, I don't, th- I didn't think that it felt. Like it was particularly hazardous. Like my understanding of certain hard drugs is like, you, you don't want to mess around with that because that's pretty physically addicting pretty right. darn quick. So podcasting does, to me doesn't feel like it's dangerous in that sense of addiction. But then when I started to think more about some of my behaviors around obsessing over perfection about how every episode has to have a really great summary and a really great I'm like all these uh, I always say deck chairs that I can rearrange while the Titanic is sinking, or all these railings I can polish. And then I began to think, oh, maybe podcasting really can be addictive. And I'm, I'm just wondering if you point your um, your in your inquisitiveness about addiction and look at your own the way that you podcast, are there things about it that you've chosen? Okay, I'm going to stay away from that because I feel like that could be a road to obsessing. Um, and possibly becoming addicted? Well, I think you just gave us
1: the answer. If I stay away from the road of having it perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, even for for a few years, I did a radio show here in Los Angeles on KABC, and I remember when I... And I've done radio on and off for about seven years as a psychologist, and I remember, you know, every time, and I do this every time, when I start getting back into radio, I'll plan Mm -hmm. out the whole... You know, take notes and plan it all segment, out, right? do all that stuff like that. And then it goes to notes that are almost scripted to talking points to, hey, what's your name? Let's just riff on the subject because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'll gain the confidence. But I think the more you can stay away from that obsession and get some free will and just relax into the process, not worry about being perfect, Um I think the better off you're going to be. I would agree, but
0: I'm not nearly, like, I'm not credentialed, oh, but yeah, but agree. It's that's con- what works you know, for me. <laughs> Stay away from like the parts. If, that's that's it.
1: a great point. Like you said, it, it, it's an ideal. It doesn't mean we're not constantly working at it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I looked at your, um, when I looked at your show, um, Engaging Minds, uh, so it's, is it, Engaging Minds with Dr. G or Dr. G. It's Dr. G
1: Engaging Minds.
0: Engaging Minds. Uh, When I looked at it, the first thing I do is I go like, how many episodes does this person have? I'm like, okay, you've done over 100 episodes. So you're beyond the, what am I doing flailing phase? (laughs) And you've gotten to the point where, from what I heard, you're no longer hyper sensitive to, does this guest exactly fit the giant painting that I'm trying to make? And you're more this is interesting. I'm going to go down this rabbit hole with this particular expert. So I'm just wondering, does the, does your work in podcasting get meta about podcasting, like in your own head? Or do you feel like I'm podcasting about, I don't know if a psychoanalyst is the right word to use, but like, do you feel like podcasting for you is about your psychology work Or do you feel like podcasting turns into like this self-referential, I'm using my podcast to work on and talk about podcasting? Does that make sense?
1: No, I think for me, my podcasting work is about my psychology work. It's just an extension of who I am. It's just a different arena I'm playing in. So I may play it in the office, as we talked about earlier on, clinically. I take that same experience. I try to bring it to the, you know, to the podcast and I know my lane, so Mm. I'm always looking at the psychology. So a lot of times I don't really care what the subject is. People will say, well, I said, because my goal is to try to find the psychodynamics that are present in that subject. So I try to go on a journey with my guests and look for those aha moments where we're both going, wow, that's really interesting. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no I, like, I, destination. wow I learned something on that if I don't learn something on the podcast then I feel it wasn't successful I want to start the podcast and be in a different place by the end of it and go mm. okay I actually got some interesting insights for myself and that feels yeah. satisfying
0: yeah I, I would I would agree wholeheartedly that's, uh, that's the power of that that's I, the
1: excitement of yeah. it I think that's so. the creativity the excitement Let's
0: let's turn completely <laughs> left because I totally want to get to the audio topic. You know where I'm going. This I has nothing to do with going. what we have been talking about. But we started talking about, um, I've, I've often said, but many people say this too, that audio, the medium of audio without video, just straight audio, that there's magic in that audio. And yeah, on one hand, you, we are, as podcasters, literally in people's ears. But I also believe, because my understanding of biology, is the parts of our brain that are involved in audio are much older brain structures that they are often still working, even if you are asleep or unconscious. Um, so I think that maybe hints for me, that hints at audio is is really special and like a privileged sense. And so my question was, when, when we were talking before, was, does that possibly mean that it could be particularly addictive like i don't think i'm addicted to listening to podcasts people who know me well right. might disagree yeah, we have to be careful <laughs> about to
1: apologize too much <laughs>
0: right yeah. but i'm just wondering what your thoughts are about this the that particular sense yeah like i can be addicted to food for real because of taste and because of the gut brain interaction um but audio has a completely different set of sense a <laughs> different sense organs
1: yeah you know i, I don't know I'm not that clear on the hard science of it so I can't I don't feel comfortable commenting on that mm-hmm. but I do feel from a psychological and spiritual point of view that sound is very powerful if you look at some of the eastern religions the sound of om both in buddhism hinduism is so prevalent you know as a meditation and I've practiced meditation for 25 years And as you can see, it hasn't worked. No, I'm just
0: joking. (laughs) I think I I do it too, but meditation is a small rudder and I'm a big ship, but it's important to steer around the iceberg, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, but you know what? It keeps me grounded. A lot of times, before I see a client, especially on Zoom, I'll take a minute and just center myself and I'll use the sound of um. So to me, sound is very ancient, it's very powerful, it's very visceral spiritual it gets me very connected that's what i find that's interesting about podcasting is it's all audio Hmm. so it takes me on a certain journey i think that is different than maybe watching a television show or dependent more on visual Hmm. because that shut down all i got to do is listen i often think how different people may have been wired when they were listening to radio as a form of entertainment mm. than know, being on mind. our phones and doing TikTok every three seconds <laughs> and moving. And how much, and I know there is a lot of research out there, how much social media and things like TikTok are affecting our brain mm. and our attention span, et cetera.
0: Yeah, I, there were so many things there, but that's a good point about I hadn't really thought about the historical. Uh, to this I don't want to say the you the, the social surroundings right. of the radio you know as the thing in the middle of the living room, um, where it only was audio and I have listened to um, uh, War of the Worlds is that George is that Orwell, Orson Welles Whew, brain well, not working
1: I'll share something with you one of the things which is a podcast a different podcast that I'm involved in that I actually produced was one called Intimate Fame, and it is. Solo one-person shows written by Scott Edward Smith that f- are like old radio dramas, mm. and they're audi- We call we call them audio dramas. And one of the things I was very attracted to was the sense that it felt like it was very intimate. Like it felt like I had to to listen to these episodes, and they're one-person shows. So right now we have one on. Uh, Wallace Simpson, one on Marilyn Monroe. And we're about to launch one on uh, James Dean. But the reason it makes it so intimate is because it's all focused on these one these characters talking about their lives from their perspective in a very intimate way. So it's all audio. So it's an hmm. interesting way of presenting their stories
0: i I find that kind of material really engaging um and i i think it's also the same reason why i enjoy reading so much Mm -hmm. because um i love i think it was carl sagan said that humans can work magic because we can take this stuff pressed on a piece of a dead tree and then hundreds Mm -hmm. of years later you read it and my idea is now in your head that's magic Mm -hmm. that the fact that when you're reading, there's a lot of information there, but you have to fill in basically all of it has to be filled in around that. All the imagery and the sounds and everything gets added. And I think audio works the same way. We're so, at least I am, such a visual person. If I read it or hear it with no visual input, my brain just goes, yeah, well, of course, there's a visual part. So what would that well, be like? Don't you like? find and I that you have in. a
1: different experience <clears throat> if you're just listening to something than if you're watching something? I, I think so. I mean, the visual
0: the visual changed, and you know, there's so much more information <clears throat> that has to be in the visual. So, you know, there's a reason that it isn't just a screen of snow on the average YouTube video. There's visual right, exactly. information too. I mean, there are certainly situations where yes, put the graph up, you know, because it's easier to, you know, that's worth a thousand words. Um, but even then I've, I've read things where I'm like, that could have been a really simple photograph, but the, the storytelling involved in painting that picture metaphorically really is interesting uh, it'd be
1: so yeah. interesting i mean i you know you made me think as a psychologist i thought well that would be such an interesting research project to see if you presented <laughs> the same material almost the same visually and audit uh, you know yeah, sound yeah. auditory and see what kind of if it had a different effect on people's psychology,
0: it would have to, it would have to, it would have. There's, there's a a lesson, like a side lesson that was done in the podcasting course that I, that I was part of where we had a student did this and it it became a thing. We just played for everybody. And one of the students took the exact same audio track. So it was him reading a piece of a novel, just like the opening Mm -hmm. paragraph of a novel, but it was laid on several different music beds. And, They are so different. It's like there's an electronic sound mix. There's like a mystery. And like completely different, you you know, there's, it changes the tone, what you're imagining. Like he's describing a woman on a platform. And then you realize that it isn't just the same words. It's literally the same audio. And the one that's got the techno music, you feel like he's reading at a faster, more punchy pace. And it's exactly the same audio of the voice. So there's so much information in that audio. Um, sometimes I feel like, why do we need anything more?
1: No, it's a very good point. A lot of times I I think about it, people don't, like as a psychologist, don't realize. They're so focused on the content, but they don't realize all the other things that might come into play, like you said, the music, et cetera, and how that can affect someone psychologically. Even you know, a lot of our work as psychologists have now moved to telehealth. and hasn't really stopped since COVID has somewhat subsided because <laughs> it's still there, but it's different. It's a different beast right now. Um, I still have most of my clients are doing it through telehealth. They don't want to come into the office. One, they don't really want to drive and they've gotten so used to this medium of z- zooming Convenience, yeah. that there's a whole interesting study too, about why, And it's a different experience of clients and patients than when they're physically in the room.
0: Yeah, I I would have to imagine having only ever done, having only ever been a patient of that type of psychoanalysis virtually, I would have to imagine that if you go to the physical office, it's going to be much more of a controlled environment because like, Mm -hmm. you know, like as the, as the, uh, person in the chair or the what do you call the, the person driving the therapist right oh, come on craig as the therapist yeah. if you you, know, you look you look through the zoom and you're like well I, there's half your problems right there <laughs> like, right you, Or you have
1: to tell a yeah. client can you put your phone down yeah. and we focus <laughs>
0: but then i'm now i'm wondering maybe Respect that actually people. is helpful because because you can see like if if i come to your office i could really I mean, I don't know I could be a different person, but you don't get to see me in my normal, it's like going to the animal in the zoo. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing so bad this week, doc. You know, and then I leave no. and I go back to my normal chaos. So maybe in some ways having telepresence uh, lets you really look in the actual fishbowl. Yeah,
1: I think each one of them has different sort of positive and pros and cons, if you want to put it mm-hmm. that way, and different attributes. But they're di- they are definitely different animals. <clears throat> what do you As mean? a therapist, it's a different experience. It's very different seeing someone on a Zoom meeting than it is seeing them in person.
0: What's, what's giving me some of the differences?
1: Well, I know talking to other psychologists, we all talk about how really tiring it is to be focused on a screen all day. Hmm. And you don't get all the body language that you might get otherwise. You know, you know, There's a lot that happens, even the way I know very subtly. You talked about music. For me... Letting someone into my office and walking through the door and how they decide to come in will tell me a lot about them, mm-hmm. who they are and what they focus on and what they might look at in my office. Oh, look at that painting. Or So there's certain subtleties I'm missing. I actually find it easier if I've seen someone for a while personally to then see them through telehealth because I already have a sense of who they are.
0: Mm. That's so, a good point.
1: But on the other side, telehealth gives you an opportunity to see people as a psychologist that's interesting that you you know and that you may not have seen before. Hmm. You know, they live in different cities or whatever. And
0: yeah, yeah. your your reach is much, much greater My reach your potential is much reach. Great. Uh, I'm now I'm wondering. <clears throat> so now if we think sure. about podcasting, let's yeah,
1: <laughs> that us Go back to Why podcasting.
0: Well, no, you can be here just to be about about psychology, but As a as podcasters, now I'm wondering, okay, so we're in this audio only medium. There is a whole discussion about video podcasts, but we're in an audio only medium and it's one way. And if I'm trying to accomplish, you know, whatever my show is, I'm trying to accomplish some goal, I'm trying to entertain, make somebody laugh, I'm trying to actually help them, I'm trying to share, you know, facts, whatever it is. Now I have no feedback. And I'm I'm just wondering what I don't want to say because I don't want to make everything be a disease, but what extra difficulties am I maybe facing as a podcaster that I don't realize because I have chosen to not have any feedback? Like, see what I'm saying?
1: My first thought is that probably the biggest obstacle is that we do this as human beings. We make assumptions about things. A lot of times with very little data or information, so we start second guessing. <laughs> and if you're not getting enough Feedback, you may start making a lot of assumptions that aren't necessarily true. So you want to be able to be very careful about that. And we'll base it many times on our own psychology. So if we are insecure about a certain thing, we might interpret everything from that insecurity into our assumptions. Oh, mm-hmm. they didn't like the way I spoke. Oh, they, <laughs> whatever it is they don't like. I'm not smart enough. I'm not this enough. So not having that interaction, cons- that I think that uh, could be a really big danger, because we always want to complete a thought, even if if we can't, we'll make up stuff just to complete it.
0: Busted?
1: Are we allowed? Are, we allowed, are we allowed using certain words?
0: Yeah, you can use any fucking words you want to use. Well,
1: <laughs> a, yeah, we might make that. up a bunch of shit just to make us feel complete because that eases our anxiety. Yeah. And then, you know, Uh, That's not true, (laughs) but it doesn't matter. I feel better.
0: (laughs) That's that's. I was thinking about the the mirroring aspect in conversations or in good conversations. Part of what helps guide me, you know, me could be anybody who's talking, but helps guide me is seeing how the other person's reacting. If I think I am talking about something innocuous, but they're becoming triggered. I'm like, oh, I can, that well, wasn't expecting All that. I can dial, my it,
1: communication. <laughs> dial yeah. that back,
0: right. Um, and I, that's the thing I hadn't really consciously thought before that, yeah, when I'm podcasting, like I have no clue, like are we, you know, are you and I right now triggering people? I don't think it's very likely, but it's possible we could have talked about somebody's addiction that's particularly shattering. Sure. Um, so that's but a you great you we are
1: having an interaction. I mean, you and yeah. I are having an interaction. So... That's all we're really and then the rest who knows? <laughs> Hi mom. It. I don't know how you know we're trying to not do anything that's gonna harm anyone. Yeah. But people can get triggered by you know walking into McDonald's and
0: Yeah, that's why it's called a trigger. Like it's yeah. it's a it's and a, you a trip. Don't know what it's it sounds, is. You, know, you walk to McDonald's thing.
1: and get triggered by ordering French fries. Hmm. I'm not talking about my my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: the funny part of other people not knowing the things we all talked about. Uh, yeah. We were discussing preferred foods. Mine is popcorn.
1: Yeah. Is my is my. Uh, yeah, food mine of are definitely not McDonald's French fries, but I do like French fries. fries.
0: No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not anti French fries. I'm on team French fries too. But
1: yeah. You know,
0: all right. Well, Howard, um, it was a distinct pleasure to get a chance to you know to chat. Um, it's always fun, you know, to like exchange a few emails, and I try not to let too much on about how I do this, and then we jump on, and it never ceases to amaze me uh, how delightful it can be. So I appreciate your taking the time. Thank you so much. I appreciate
1: I'm going to do a little plug for myself. So Definitely. Please do. It's Dr. Howard Gloss G-L-U-S-S. I do have a company called Derenot Health, and what we do is concierge type of in-home treatment for drugs and alcohol, but other situations too like someone's really depressed or anxious and has problems functioning we basically do what you would do in in the confines of a treatment center but we bring all those services to someone's home so if they're looking for discretion or a different kind of experience some people have to work and they can't just stop their lives so we tailor a program to people's individual needs and the other thing is
0: that spell it for me
1: Yes, D-A-R-A-K-N-O-T, health.
0: Cool. Um,
1: the so, old, yeah. So, that's it. And then the other as I told you about, you know, when you asked me about, in a whole different world, is producing those radio dra- type of audio <laughs> dramas, one-person solo shows, and it's called Intimate Fame, and you can just find the podcast that way wherever i found it in many places or wherever you normally listen uh and your show i do recommend it's getting around
0: (laughs) it's getting around but i I also recommend looking up um dr g engaging minds is a oh right i forgot
1: why i was here
0: (laughs) well it doesn't have to be why you're here but that was the show that we talked about um and i think episode four of season two is the most recent one was about the mind body connection yes for people who know me would go oh well craig would
1: be all over that so cool all right thanks again howard Bye. Craig, it was a pleasure. I appreciate the invitation.